Da 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 what? <laughs> live. Oh, you, oh, we are. We are live. We are live <laughs> from the dungeon. Hey. The D-Gen dungeon. Yeah, the D-Gen dungeon. This is uh, Lex with Mars and Jim, our guest for today. Jim is here. Jim, how you doing? I'm doing well. Doing well. Okay, good, good. This is the Jig Is Up podcast, episode two. Mm. We're going to be talking about a very special subject, uh, another broad stroke in our introduction podcasts. Uh, this will be about speech, cognition, and articulation, how important they are. And uh, we'll be using some general life experience as well as uh, some, uh, I guess, just uh, pragmatic uh, ways that you can improve your speech and why you probably should start focusing on articulation. Mm -hmm. Again, the disclaimer is in the <laughs> video, but uh, when we say you, it's the it, it can be considered the royal we. Um, All we're of speaking, us. Yeah, we're speaking from a collective consciousness. Uh, yeah. When I say you should do X, Y, Z, what I really mean is my consciousness is telling me you should do this. Mm -hmm. So therefore, I think I should I, do this. Yeah, yeah, I think I should do this. So when, when we say you, we mean us. Just the sentence structures don't really work out that well when you say we and us all the time. Mm -hmm. Anyways, uh, because I know that that's a big deal to some people, but Mm -hmm. Talking to you, JLB. Yeah. <laughs> he called us up. We we I'm calling you out. We appreciate the criticism. We only had one podcast so far, and he gave us some feedback, and we appreciate no, it. No, no, we yeah, very. Appreciate we need it. somebody to tell us. Yeah, yeah. Jim, you're not familiar with him, but no, I'm we not, talked a little yeah. bit about him. I, I, I kind of introduced. I, I was talking. I was talking him up, and he was like, "Yeah, Richard's a great guy." I'm like, "No, no, no. I'm talking about a different guy." Yeah. That's true. <laughs> He's across yes. the ocean. No, no, no I'm <laughs> talking about a different guy. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah, let's start. I'll start with a brief recap of last, last podcast. That way we can orient ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. See what I did there. Uh, so last podcast we talked about um, uh, the fundamentals about where we're coming from and what we're trying to do. Uh, we're focusing on three big things in this podcast. Self-improvement, uh, living a life of meaning, and trying to get away from nihilism or uh, sort of dispose of it in any way we can. Um, all three of those things are, are intertwined, inevitably. So uh, with this podcast, we're focusing first on what can we do to improve our speech, uh, our everyday speech, uh, our when we when we post on social media, how can we push forth a better version of ourselves through our through talking, mm -hmm. typing, whatever conversation? It may be. Yeah, and it's probably speak or or oration or or what is it? Oratory oration. skills? Yeah, oration. Oration. Yeah. Uh, just I've never really said that word. <laughs> right there, the more yeah. you articulate the truth as you see it to be, uh, the more clear and concise your mm -hmm. truth will be, yeah. and the more. Clearly and concisely, other people will view your truth. Uh, so, um, the first tip that I could give, uh, and this is this is a very very pragmatic thing you can do. Um, uh, attempt to say uh, needless words less than you do now. So, in your daily routine, attempt to uh, uh, slow down your speech mm -hmm. and listen to what you're saying and avoid useless words what's what a useless, useless word yeah. Yeah. What is yeah so uh um the words such as like actually literally 
Yeah, literally. <laughs> literally. Uh, <laughs> words, words like these um, are are considered to be nexus words by mm-hmm. the, the traditional definition in, in, in the English language. Nexus words are words that tie other words together. Um, but these words don't add value to your conversation. They they make you sound stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they they don't enhance what you're saying. You're, it's wasted energy, as it were. Wasted miles on the on the car, you know, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not just fluff. They it's a, it's a hard it's a hard thing to describe. Um, if do you feel do you feel like sometimes they're just sort of gap fillers when uh, yeah. someone may be at a loss for words, mm-hmm. they'll yes, sort of yeah, just yeah. interject Absolutely. this uh, sort of useless banter almost. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and. I think when you um, something that I've experienced before is that when you ask someone questions that they can't articulate the answers to, they often resort to just this banter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if they're in a public sphere at all, and this happens to them, mm-hmm. uh, it may they look dumb. <laughs> yeah. And you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be the guy that claims expertise over something, and then someone asks you a basic question about it. And you devolve into, well, like actually, you know, like, <laughs> like, 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 you, you don't want to be that guy because you lose yeah. credibility. Yeah. And when you lose credibility, you lose power, essentially. You lose your power to pathologize your environment and change the world for the better. So you want, you want to retain your ability to change the world. You want to enhance your ability to change the world through your yeah. speech because you can change the world through your speech. Yeah, oftentimes when someone's bringing up sort of a, a broadly scientific or uh, political or philosophical uh, talking point, they have this sort of um, pre-scripted narrative. And if you sort of challenge them on the point or push them a little bit, and they have to sort of come off their pre-scripted uh, narrative, then then they'll completely collapse. Mm-hmm. And yeah, catch them off guard. That's yeah. something that's pretty prevalent in, yeah. Yeah, in, in contemporary, uh... even in contemporary intellectual circles. Oh, absolutely. And oftentimes somebody uh, may have the technically correct perspective from just like an empirical uh, uh, sense, but uh, not truly be able to articulate why the said thing is correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the unethical scientist. Yeah. They have all this data, but Mm -hmm. they they don't have a moral framework to use it in a way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. in, In professional chess. Uh, what separates the uh, in, in professional chess? Uh, there, there's different tiers uh, of elo. Essentially, mm. um, your best chess players are grandmasters. Typically, they're above two thousand elo, and uh, there's a large difference between the best grandmasters and average grandmasters. And most of this difference comes down to opening theory. All grandmasters understand opening theory up through. Sometimes, usually it's 10 or 11 moves into the game. Every game has been played up through 10 or 11 moves into the game. So every grandmaster understands the best theoretical approach to doing this. I would compare this to uh, philosophy and logic 101. Everyone innately understands the logic and philosophy of basic fundamental principles. Uh, they may disagree with which ones are the are are the truest, but they wouldn't uh, uh, debate the merit of the idea of the dialectic argument. For instance, everyone knows it's a dialectic argument. It's 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 a it's a uh, it has merit. 
And uh, so why am I making this analogy? It's because uh, if you can articulate yourself uh, clearly, you can get away from platitudes and sort of uh, uh, very vague brushstrokes of philosophy, and you can move closer to a truer sense of what you really believe in and getting aligning what you say with what you believe in a more concise way instead of being vague. And mm -hmm. you want to be a sharp instrument. You don't want to be a dull instrument, essentially. Mm -hmm. you, can, you, can, you can make more change and yeah. influence the world better that way. Yeah, I, th I think that's exactly right. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's it's really easy to get up on the soapbox and um, preach, you know, the relatives' merits of of whatever buzzwords out there. Um, but what does that actually mean? And I, I think that you know you might want a more substantive approach yeah. uh, to some of these you know philosophical uh, things you're throwing out there. Exactly. Exactly. I mean. It's a lot easier and faster, more expedient to say platitudes such as I'm against hate or yeah. uh, there shouldn't be any, like we shouldn't have any poor people in the United States. <laughs> um, it's, but at the same time, uh, everyone, well, personally, I'm thinking, yeah, no shit. Well, yeah, I don't, well, that's I'm against a, hate too. <laughs> of course. And that's a, that's a wonderful notion, but how, what's the implementation? Exactly. Like, um, you know, when dealing with a, a complex subject like poverty, of course, it's it's something that I think that we can all agree that, uh, you know, we should strive to, to reduce, mm -hmm. possibly eliminate. Mm -hmm. um, but from a logistical standpoint, what would that actually look like? Exactly. And I think it's easy to sort of uh, get on that, you know, moral soapbox and uh, say, oh, yes, we, you know, oh, should yeah. eradicate poverty. Of, of course we should. But it's the methodology that I'm I'm most concerned with. Yeah, mm -hmm. nobody's uh, disagreeing with right. the premise. With you the premise is, you know, <laughs> uh, of uh, course, uh, a good one. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So when you move past step one, which is okay, we all agree that nobody wants poverty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now what's step two? And if you can't articulate yourself, you run into this problem a lot, where you're yeah. just grasping at straws, saying, "Well, now what do I do?" And what often happens, what I find, is that when you press people and you get them past step one, mm -hmm. they end up just saying a bunch of ridiculous things in step two because right. they're, they, they haven't thought through their ideas. This is where right. you get um, people that believe in communism. I think mm. <laughs> they're, they, they, they're on the right track. I think mm -hmm. they, they understand that capitalism has flaws, which it does. Mm. Of course. But they get way off track when they don't understand history mm. and they haven't really oriented themselves <clears throat> in the historical yeah. relevance of, of communism and, and uh, well, not relevance, relativity between communism yeah. and capitalism. And they falsely want to just throw it out there as if it's never been tried before. <laughs> it's never been tried. <laughs> well, then you, you sort of get into the, the no true Scotsman fallacy of communism. Mm -hmm. well, this, this wasn't true mm -hmm. communism. No. This wasn't true socialism. Exactly. Um, and, and of course, that's absurd. Um, Absolutely. And, and I think, I think <laughs> that we can acknowledge that there are you know, flaws in, in capitalism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, me personally, I'm not an advocate for anarcho-capitalism and you can feel free to disagree with me. That's, mm -hmm. yeah. that's completely fine. Um, is it fine? <laughs> it is, as far as I'm concerned, it, it is. Yeah. Something but, else that, something else I noticed in uh, articulation is 
when you ask someone a question and they, they respond to you with a question. Mm. Yeah. Fucking hate that. <laughs> In no uncertain terms, I despise that. <laughs> I was talking to my coworker about that uh, yesterday, and I just it was on my mind all day, and, and I'm thinking, man, that is, of all the brutish things you can do when you're trying to uh, appeal to someone's better nature, the worst thing you could do is respond to their question <sighs> with an equal with an equal question, the same question. Mm-hmm. When you ask someone, how was your day? And they say, well, how was my day? <laughs> Nothing makes you want to reach across the table and strangle someone faster than yeah. they say that. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I feel like those, those sort of things are, uh, those sort of, you know, verbal miscues are... Um, just people that, that maybe lack some of the, and I, I myself lack a, a mm-hmm. lot of sort of social graces. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so maybe there's some of that going on there, but yeah, it's, it's incredibly but frustrating. These, these the, like what you were saying, the lack of social graces, these kind of, those kinds of phrases yeah. are equivalent in my mind to yeah. those that say like a million times a sentence mm-hmm. or actually, or literally. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this is a, not a slight, this isn't really a tangent, but we were talking about this earlier. Uh, whenever I hear someone say literally, uh, as you said earlier, they usually misuse it. <laughs> and, uh, I also think in my head immediately as opposed to what figuratively, mm-hmm. uh, what, what do you mean by this term that you're using? Because I don't think you're using that word correctly. And, I literally uh, died. <laughs> when she said, when, you Did know. you? Right. It's uh, not Did only is you? it, not only is it, you know, applied erroneously, it's, it's the, um, it's a you know a complete anonym of, yeah, of what yeah. your, your your actual intent. Yeah, no, you are completely alive. Um, I can't think of any way in which that term was incorrect, more incorrect than the, how you used it. And uh, this this can be applied to many other words and other phrases. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, um, what is it? Which one is it? How about uh, I'm sorry to interject. Mm-hmm. How about uh, I could care less? Yeah, yeah. I was just about to say that's what I was saying. That's, that's what I was that thinking. in fact you do care. Yeah, <laughs> at least you know partially. I could care less. Yes, you probably. To paraphrase could. Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> yeah, or uh, well, his, didn't he have an interview with Eminem? Where Did Eminem he? constantly said, "You know what I'm saying?" You the know what the I'm triple saying? negative. You Eminem, know what I'm yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And he said, y- "Yes." I don't owe nobody nothing. <laughs> I mean, it essentially means that you do owe someone something. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, these are all turns of phrase for, for everyone out there. These are all turns of phrase that we can easily come up with. And I, I'm sure many of you uh, out there could, could come up with these things that are annoying to you. And they're annoying to you because your consciousness is telling you that there's something innately um, misplaced about them. And that you find them undesirable. And you have to ask yourself why you find these phrases undesirable. Why why does someone saying like a, like a lot, like mm-hmm. a lot, um, in their phrases, why does that why does that bother you? Bother, yeah. And it comes down to speech and articulation. When you meet someone that speaks uh clearly and concisely, they say what they mean, uh, in no uncertain terms, you trust them in a way. You really do. You trust, or at least you trust um, their point of view, their expressions. Um, they're they're easier to conversate with, and they're easier to learn from. And you want to learn from them. Um, all the greatest teachers mm-hmm. you probably had were great speakers. This isn't a coincidence. And so it's a it's a it's a really underrated skill, I think, uh, to to articulate yourself clearly, and 
Uh, it's the number one, I mean, IQ, intelligence, IQ, whatever you, however you want to refer to it. Um, and the ability to read and write are massive factors in someone's success yeah. in life. In terms of, uh, you know, predictors of yeah. success in life, those mm -hmm. are probably the top two I think two they're factors. the top two, yeah. I believe. And I think, I mean, they're intertwined. I mean, intelligence is part and parcel of your ability to read and write. There are no, there are no people with an IQ higher than 150 that can't read. <laughs> I mean, hey, at least I don't think there are. I was watching my dyslexia video. The kid that had 130 IQ couldn't read. Oh yeah, huh. dyslexia man. <laughs> but he could speak. Right? He could. Okay, yes. yeah. that may be due. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, in some of those rare cases, that may be due to a um, a sort of cognitive malady. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. There, there are people with certain genetic disorders that mm -hmm. exhibit normal intelligence, but uh, uh, for whatever reason, uh, simply can't learn uh, mm -hmm. to read in the traditional sense. Well, yeah. and this this is totally side. Uh, just real quick, um, in the video I was watching the presentation, she said the brain actually is larger on one side than the other if you're born with dyslexia, dyslexia or something. So, mm -hmm. like you know. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't yeah. go too far into it, but yeah, yeah. there's always anomalies. It's an interesting point. Um, anecdotally, uh, Richard Feynman, the, the famed uh, physicist, remarkable mathematician, mm -hmm. uh, uh, monumental in the world of physics, yeah. was said to speak like a bum, of course. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> I'm sure that was exacerbated by his mm -hmm. thick Brooklyn accent, if you've ever <laughs> yeah. caused lectures, which I can't recommend too highly. He's yeah, yeah. got this very gruff, coarse... Uh, I like that accent. Sort of... Uh, <laughs> I use it sometimes. Yeah, it's it's quite <laughs> it's charming. Uh, it's, it's it's pretty cool. But he's Speech got this very like a bum. Like a bum. Yeah, uh, I think it was um, uh, I think it was uh, his fellow physicists in the Manhattan Project uh -huh. that oh, yeah. that sort of uh, often uh, gave him a hard time, you know, for this uh, mm -hmm. for this gruff speech that he exhibited. Yeah, and all right. So, what's the first thing that popped in my head when I when I uh, thought about these expressions saying? We should all try to be more articulate and mm -hmm. concise. The first thing was the person that's going to say, why does it matter how I speak? Oh. Um, you know, why, why should I have to be, why should, why should I be articulate? And why does it matter if I, if I speak concisely and clearly? Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's not that important. What I would say is if you've ever spent a certain amount of time around someone like your coworkers, you'll realize that their patterns of speech wear off on you very quickly. Oh, and you yeah. can't control it. You can try to, but you can't. And this nature is is self is evident. I mm -hmm. mean, anybody anybody that's spent an extended period of time around anyone has picked up their speech patterns. So, Absolutely. if you truly believe that your speech patterns are uh, are going to help someone, mm -hmm. then by all means, continue being articulate. But if you find yourself really stumbling to find the proper words for, for subjects you care about, or you really cannot articulate yourself um, in a meaningful way, um, and you, you find that you're, a, you're kind of dull and uh, you cannot express the true meaning of what you really think and believe, then you're, you're pathologizing that. And you might actually be harming the speech and articulation of someone else. Mm -hmm. So what you are doing is directly affecting others. So just something to consider before you uh, lay the blame uh, to someone else. Maybe they should be articulate. Maybe, maybe uh, you know, maybe it's not my problem. 
as it were. <clears throat> That's something that I'm going to have to address in almost every podcast, it seems. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it's an eternal self improvement is such a, uh, I mean, caustic subject yeah. because the, the immediate reaction is, well, no, you. Or, <laughs> yeah, right. well, I'm fine. I'm not the problem. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm great. Um, and. Like we like I said just a couple minutes ago, it's the royal we. It's we should all be trying to, we should all be striving to be better. Right. Yeah. So. You know, um, coming from like a working class blue collared sort of background, mm-hmm. you know, broadly speaking, um, some people not only do they not strive to be articulate in speech or you know what have you. Uh, but they they actively discourage that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're sort of seen as you're mm-hmm. you're sort of anathema if you. Uh, it it goes to a larger um a larger problem of anti intellectualism. But mm-hmm. oh yeah. Sort of, <laughs> all right, so I've got a story about this. Triggered. Sort of seen. <laughs> we get triggered. Yep. Uh, so another friend of ours <clears throat> who's hopefully going to be on this the Dark Prince as it were. Oh him. Uh, the Dark Prince. His family. Uh, once he he. This is a direct quote. Why do you talk white? So right. he's, he's not white, obviously, mm-hmm. but she was saying as, as if it was a bad thing. Why do you talk white? Because he's a very articulate person. He's very well-spoken. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, first of all, he's, they're attributing being articulate, well-spoken. A to doctor? White. Pre-med? Is that? No, he's, he's in. What is it? What is, what did he go He works at the hospital. Uh, okay. So he, yeah. yeah. The dark prince works at the hospital, but his, his father has two PhDs. Sure. And his mother's fairly accomplished and they still say these you know say yeah, these things, yeah. which is apparently That's kind of crazy. racist thing to say yeah um first to attribute being articulate to only being white and not being black mm-hmm. which is kind of like internalized racism right if, if who's, that's a real term yeah uh in my mind it's dubious at best but and secondarily the fact that you would insult someone for being articulate yeah uh would that's sort of an ego thing or mm-hmm. a uh what's the what's the term i'm looking for uh, hmm. I don't know. I, I feel like oftentimes people see, uh, especially with with young men, um, oftentimes uh, people see an inverse correlation between manhood, masculinity, and um, sort of uh, book learning, uh, if you will. Bookishness, yeah. yeah. Bookishness, yeah. yeah. So they, they say, oh, that's fancy, long-haired, mm-hmm. you know, book learning. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I was going to say a person I know, just in case. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah, I um since I was a kid, uh she's uh she said things like, I don't know what in the hell you're talking about. Like they're Southern, you know, very sure. Southern Baptist kind of, you know. And anytime it, even recently I posted on before we deleted our Facebook, I had posted something about I, I couldn't even tell you what it was. It was very it was a deep subject. And my own father posted like kind of the, the whole carrying on the whole making fun of me because I've always been interested in things that aren't reality tv i don't you know whatever i just i like there's nothing wrong with that but it's not my thing and so i'm always interested in other things and it it's a different world from them so they they i think they fear it a little bit because they don't know about it and they they think i don't know if they think that i would be upset or not upset but i'd make fun of them for not knowing about what i'm into but they sure let me know that i'm kind of like an alien like i don't really Yeah, they treat it as though as it's though like the intellectual bad... pursuits you have are like dark arts. Dark, right. No. Yeah. Not dark, but just like silly. Like why, you know, what in the hell are you yeah, talking absurd, about? You're not in this world. Arts, you know, come back to reality, Mars. Yeah. That's why my whole they, they Earth tre- to Mars Yeah, they treat thing. her like she's eclectic. Right. 
uh, well, yeah, I'm eccentric. I'm true with that, but you know? I am eccentric a little bit, but I, I, I still think I'm a person that I can relate to them. But anytime I want to talk about the things I'm into, it's like, you know, a, a lot of people get shut down because mm-hmm. of that. I think, well, you know, they're just like that. <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate. Well, yeah. I'm, I don't consider myself like some pretentious uh, kind of guy that's, you know, that thinks everybody needs to have like this deep intellectual right, exactly. life. Uh, that's not what I, you know, it's not what I'm advocating for at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, as I say, I come from a, a working class, pretty blue collared black background. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's, that's fine. I, mm-hmm. I've never felt like I didn't have rapport with, right with, uh, you know, country folks or anything right, like that. I right. think that's kind of a, <clears throat> kind of an absurd, uh, Lexi's pulling up something on, yeah, on well, Google. Uh, or my, my Wicked, name Wiktionary. actually does imply that I'm pretentious, so... Lexi oh, Fane. Yeah. One who uses, uses words pretentiously. You son of a bitch. Yep. I didn't even know that definition. I've never known that definition. I thought it, I knew it had to do with words, but I didn't know it was pretentious. Yeah. <laughs> we have another friend who gave me this nickname, so that's why I kept it. Who? Uh, Dis. Dis gave you that. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Makes sense. And it's true. But you are. <laughs> but anyway, so So yeah, like we Yeah, derailed, so there's some practical practical tips on on that kind of thing. I it's it's mostly not gonna fix itself overnight. If anyone's ever tried to say mm-hmm. certain words less, they'll know how hard it is. Um the best tip I can give is is, is uh what I said earlier, which is uh, to slow down your speech, mm-hmm. actively think about the next word you're going to say each time. So if you continue to do this, I'm trying to do it right now, mm-hmm. you can start chunking your speech before you say it. And when you slow down your speech, uh, like I'm doing right now, you have more time to digest what you are actually saying um, before you say it. And... Uh, this helps you to um, output more precisely, I, I would say, instead of doing everything in, in short, spontaneous spurts and then having to go back and correct yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if anyone's ever known this, when you meet someone for the first time or you meet someone new mm-hmm. or you interact with someone new and they're not, you know, they're not predisposed to liking you, if you, use it, if you go off in short spurts and you say the wrong things, you ruin your relationship with them almost immediately. Yeah. But if you speak more articulately and you can you can say the proper thing the first time, your engagements with newer people or your professional life mm-hmm. will go a lot smoother because you won't have to constantly course correct uh, due to speaking before you think. And uh, it's a useful skill. I'm bad at that. <laughs> I, I make mean, a I... lot of first, like bad first impressions yeah, because I get yeah. nervous. It's because I'm nervous, I think. Yeah. So I ramble. At work, I often uh, spurt mm-hmm. quickly. Without, oh, you do? You know, I, I do. Really? It happens. I say often. It happens too much. I don't too know if it happens a lot yeah. by definition, but it happens too much. More than it should. So I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm very guilty of that. Gotten better. I think part of my, my, my correction of speech has occurred mostly due to more reading. The more you read, oh, yeah. the better your speech gets. Yeah. Uh, it's... Most people that read know this, but the more you read, you just transitive property. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as you're reading good <laughs> books, you know, don't read. Yeah. 
you know, Teen the, Wolf. The ethical uh, slut. <laughs> do, is do, that still around? Do you think Wolf? there's a? Do you think that there are two uh, very different skill sets? Uh, sort of having the uh, the cognitive faculties, the language processing centers of the brain, and the, the actual articulation. Uh, I mean, I I, I I feel like they they may be different. I'm not entirely oh, sure. Oh, I, I, I agree. I think they are. So, I mean, critically reading, especially. Uh, I think in order to articulate yourself well, be well spoken. That's a skill you can you can you can become an orator without becoming well read. Yeah. Um, I mean, snake oil salesmen are great orators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, precisely. Probably not, mm-hmm. not well read. Being well read, being bookish, I would say, to be a more precise term, uh, being able to read critically and uh, digest complex content and ruminate properly and expand your field of knowledge, different skill set. It rewires your neurons in different ways. And uh, I was talking to uh, Mars about this probably a month ago. Um, the difference between reading critically and consuming mm-hmm. is vastly different. Your brain responds differently to reading critically as opposed to just reading non like comic books. If you if you just read a comic book purely for the dopamine, mm-hmm. you mean you you're anticipating what your favorite characters are going to do. Right, right. You're not reading critically. You're not thinking about the thematic <laughs> elements and the philosophical grappling and mm-hmm. when you read Carl Jung, your neurons are doing something different than when you're reading a Superman comic. Sure. And so these when I say reading, I mean Two, I mean, there's the right. There are two different things from reading for fun and reading uh, for uh, sort of a critical intellectual pursuit. And the reading recommendations that we make on this uh, on this podcast are of the critical nature. I would say Spider Man. Yeah, no, of course not. <laughs> it's, it's similar to the difference between uh, genre fiction, mm. genre works, and mm. literature. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes, uh, I'm. I had a debate with someone shortly after I graduated college, uh, and his position was that uh, there was no difference between genre of writing and literature, which is an absurd position to have. Um, if if you think that there's no difference between 1984 and Twilight, uh, you're an idiot. <laughs> uh, and you're an idiot in the purely empirical sense of the word. Um, they... They are entirely different for many reasons. One is one of them is a good book. The other one is a terrible book. Uh, two is one of them is an author that is writing uh, literature based upon a uh, uh, entire thematic concept and philosophical bearing upon uh, what it is to be a human and the human condition, uh, power structures, power struggles, the nature of tyrannical governments, etc. The other is writing a story about things that happen to people that aren't real. Right. You know, there I could go on and on here. Yeah. If I really wanted to. And I could I could do a deeper analysis here, but I don't think it's necessary because uh, uh you know, I, I don't want to be like uh what is it, um progressive modern progressives. Yeah. Whenever something comes up they say, well it's obvious. I shouldn't even have to explain it. No, but it's it's not and I I think it's I think it's you know, uh I think it's an excellent point worth mentioning. Yeah. If you look at a work like uh, Orwell's 1984, um, it's it's become, in many senses, a cultural touchstone. Mm-hmm. We have um, words that have leaked into our vernacular, like Room 101, mm. um, Big Brother. Yeah. We, Orwell, even. Newspeak. 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 Um, wrong think. think. I like wrong, <laughs> yeah. wrong think. Wrong yeah. think. Precisely. Um, 
And so this is this is sort of a cornerstone in many ways of, of contemporary culture. We've been shaped by this. Uh, so what I would say is that objectively speaking, uh, Orwell's 1984 is objectively a better book. Now, I can't speak to somebody's subjective experience. You know, if you enjoyed, uh, you know, Twilight, you know. Oh, if, if they enjoyed Twilight, that's that's, that's by fine. all means. Enjoyment is, is mm-hmm. uh, different. Uh, yeah, that's fine. And, and I, I feel like if you have any comic book fans out there listening, they're probably going to jump on you and say, look, um, <laughs> you know, it's, comics have uh, sort of progressed a long way from the sort of mm-hmm. campy 1940s Superman yeah. gag reel. Yeah. And they do sort of work in some more high-minded philosophical concepts. Mm-hmm. But but I think to your point, you're saying that one is sort of a um, sort of vapid fluff piece with mm-hmm. no sort of intellectual I would say the vast majority of comics yeah. are vapid fluff yeah. pieces. Well, of course, yeah. yeah. And, and I, you're and I would that challenge anyone to, to statistically support anything to the contrary. I mean, if you look at all comics in existence, how many have um, – how many – present philosophical quandaries to the level of some such as like Carl Jung, how many people or Freud, how many of those present quandaries or realizations as deep and far-fetched as they did? No, of course not. The the point's well taken. I I do think that uh, many of the writers probably are at least familiar with those works. And they sort of draw on the the Joseph Campbell Mm -hmm. story arc, you know, hero quest, those kind of elements. Which that uh, is, has permeated a lot of comics. Um, I mentioned that the a book in the last podcast, uh, from, Ritual, from Ritual to Romance, which is Jesse Watson's uh, uh, exploration of the Holy Grail literature mm-hmm. and her combining of a bunch of uh, Frazier and other writers at the time, mm-hmm. uh, the, the idea of where the Holy Grail idea originated, whether it came from folklore, whether it came from Christianity. And she discovered that it came from nature cults and and various Christian and folklore traditions combined, it went from a ritual, a nature ritual, to a romance, which is combinations of these stories. Sort of took on the motif of uh, more Christian elements. Exactly, yeah. But also of folklore elements as well. And uh, well, I just want to hop in there and say really quickly, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, you know, hearing you say that, I'm sort of reminded of uh, uh, Schopenhauer. Uh. Uh, he, for him, you know, having this robust intellectual thought life was important and he maligned the, the folks of his day um you know frittering away their time on tri- you mm-hmm. know trivial pursuits you know yeah. mm-hmm. card players things like that although many professional card uh, players are highly intelligent folks nowadays but yeah okay the, the, the point where i was going with the this. point stands that you know uh for him developing uh you know this intellectual life was yeah was paramount for mm-hmm. him and yeah i think that's kind of what we're talking about yeah sort yeah of the vapid mm-hmm. Uh, shallowness yeah no i now i know where i was going with that um that the idea of the hero restoring the land just okay yeah yeah that uh, idea yeah. that is based upon holy the holy grail and, and i do believe that the holy grail legends to be literature so in a way i mean i can't say that comic books are completely without merit from my own argument but to the depth that of of, of how far they go and to how much they articulate them is i mean Hero legends are very base facade. You'd have to embellish them a lot more to get down into the more nitty gritty of the philosophy of the hero. Yeah. Whether or not it's a Western hero or not would be a different yeah. story altogether. So, 
To all the comic book fans out there, comic books suck. So, oh uh, man, I just. Uh, I had a friend recently tell me that. Um, we just lost like thirty cents. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I, friend, I don't actually believe that. I just like saying inflammatory shit. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, of course. I had a friend recently tell me that you know the the comic books that I enjoy sort of embodied the male power fantasy. Hmm. And I said, well, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, young men seek adventure. Uh, That's the best thing you can say to people that say no. It's things, well, it's is you you say well yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't necessarily see that as a, a negative. Mm-hmm. Me either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you? <laughs> and that, I mean, she herself was a comic book I was fan. But in a very different, Me. Uh, e- no. You know, even amongst comic books, you have like anime and uh, various mm-hmm. sub. Okay, I will say though, the anime sucks. Oof. Oh um, yeah, that that's without a doubt. Oof. Yeah, so that's a that's a big oof right there. Oof. Um, I, uh, I couldn't get I, into I, it. I'll go into this in very, very distinct detail in future podcasts. Let's not go too crazy. Uh, I, I'm a live and let live kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, not a live you, and let live kind of guy. I am. You're not. You're an yeah. asshole. You can't live and let live because your life affects mine. So. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to see that uh, the new Anita Battle Angel. Is it the. What is it? I don't know. It's been hyped up. It's I like a know. new thing based on an old anime. Okay, we're so disconnected. Again, I'm not this a big, is done. We're I'm not a yeah, big yeah. consumer of. Uh, yeah, of no, no, I, I, I don't think I've ever. Yeah. Uh, actually, read an anime. That's fine but, if you have, but yeah. Okay, but anyways, to bring this back. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. We're gonna bring this back. So all all of that actually does play into this um, uh, idea that to write literature. To write um, to write great works that stand the test of time, what's the common factor that these authors had? They could articulate their ideas very precisely mm-hmm. and in timeless ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, Orwell wasn't a he wasn't a terrible writer. That goes without saying. Uh, obviously, these great writers that create this literature that that uh, really uh, uh, transcends their their era and becomes a uh, timeless classic that we can apply nowadays and that I'm sure 100 years from now 1984 and unless it's been burned and and revisionist history has struck it from the books uh, it will still be a, a, mm-hmm. applicable because human nature is always going to be applicable as long as there's humans around so these these authors were able to do this because they could, they could articulate so if we could just aim to be half as good mm-hmm. and articulating as these great authors i think we're we're aiming for for some uh some uh admirable ground i would say but so you, so in your by your assessment you you uh, believe because i i believe that it's something that that most anyone can improve mm-hmm. you know barring some sort of oh absolutely uh, tremendous sure. you know cognitive detriment i yeah, think I, that, I believe uh, i believe our schooling system mm. has not done a great job to promote reading and writing. I mean, yeah. if I was told in high school that my ability to read and write would be one of my num- number one predictors of success in life, probably would have focused a little more on that. I was I had very good metrics for reading and writing for what that's worth. Uh, if you if you believe in the school system, mm-hmm. metrics or not, or standardized testing, etc. Et um, that's neither here nor there. If I had been told that, and if I understood it, that's those are two different things as well. When you're young, if you're told something, you don't always understand it uh, or think it's important. Um, I, you know, that probably would have changed the course. Now I know how important reading and writing mm-hmm. is. My ability to speak and 
tell the truth, as it were. Uh, and I know what happens when I don't uh, speak clearly or tell the truth clearly or align my beliefs with what I put out in the world. Yeah. So um, it's I've just learned personally that it's a it's a important thing to improve, and I've been trying to improve it mm-hmm. ever since. So. Yeah, I mean, as cliche as it is to say, uh, you know, communication is, you know, essential. Mm-hmm. It's for, key. For, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. It's, it's yeah. a good cliche, but it is. Yeah, it's also true. Um, it is true. I often find that maybe you could speak to this, mm-hmm. um, but I often find that people speak at divergent terms, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll, you know, say some term or use it in an idiosyncratic manner, mm-hmm. and somebody else might have a completely different uh, notion of what that means. And, you know, I think that's. Uh, part of our um, trouble with, you know, political dynamics in this mm-hmm. yeah. country right now. It's very of, different terms for yeah. The Dark Prince and I had a podcast that's uh, unpublished. We might, we might end up publishing s- snippets from these mm-hmm. uh, because they're, they're decent talks. Uh, we talked about one of the number one rules to abide by to avoid uh, polarization uh-huh. is don't use the opposition's words. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I don't use words uh, such as intersectionality <laughs> or privilege mm-hmm. because I don't believe they exist. And you use bigot? Yeah. I, I, I barely use bigot. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why is because I don't want to pathologize these words into normalcy. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know what the quote is, but uh, yesterday's accepted insanity becomes today's normal, mm. normal normalized behavior. Yeah. And that's not a direct quote. That's just my version of it. No, well, that's. I think. I think the sentiment is absolutely correct. Yeah. Societal norms are very malleable. Yeah. You know, um, fifty years ago, if you saw somebody with a a dog and a stroller, that person would be headed for you know the insane. Yeah. <laughs> Shock treatment for them. Now you know that's you know that's yeah. every major city. Of course. Yeah, every major city. Nobody bats an eye. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean. I mean, I could get pretty, I could go fairly deep into this subject, but uh, if you do not challenge the insanity of your era, mm-hmm. you're doomed to live in it for the rest of your life. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, we we live in a time where uh, it it is fairly common, a fairly common belief that uh, black people cannot be racist against white people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... The definable the, the definition of racism is simply discrimination based upon their skin color or ethnicity. Yeah. Uh, white is a skin color or ethnicity, so that doesn't seem very plausible logically speaking. But it's it's and that and this is because I would say when did, when would you say this became this started becoming popularized? I would say uh, for me it was late high school, maybe. That like late two thousands. Okay. Uh, th- this notion has been been pretty prevalent amongst the very far left a- academic type for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, but but it's been in vogue for probably a decade or so. Yeah, so. I would say the internet prop- yeah. like def- probably expanded yeah. rapidly yeah. expanded the propagation of this yeah. idea. Um, and this is just one. This is one I cherry picked. Yeah. Well, um, I think it's a good one. I, I think that this is one of those things where people have divergent terms. Two people say a word and it's used in two very different distinct meanings. Mm-hmm. If you talk to somebody that's maybe a far left progressive, mm-hmm. they may say that racism is power plus prejudice. 
um, where a more normalized definition would be, you know, like an invidious distinction based on ethnicity. Mm-hmm. I think that's, um, you know, uh, a more reasonable uh, normalized definition for my for my taste. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's because it's yeah. more articulate. Someone yeah, say it's that it's precise. noticing any the notion that there's any difference between you know, ethnic groups of people that in itself is racist. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I think it's important yeah. to sort of delineate these sort of empirical claims. And I you know I've said this a couple times tonight, these empirical claims from sort of uh, a moral yes. stance. I agree. Yeah. And I think the basis of, of what you were talking about right there is, is that second, the second definition, uh, uh, the latter is more precise. And by, by being more precise, I feel I feel as though more people would be inclined to agree with that definition yeah. because it's 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 more fundamentally sound. When mm-hmm. when when I hear somebody say or if they act, if they believe in this that black people cannot be racist against white people, what they really mean is black people are way less likely to be racist against white people in their mind than white people are to be racist against black people, or that the history has stated otherwise statistically in their mind i would argue both of those things to be untrue but what they're trying to say and what they mean are divergent as you said yeah and that comes off as uh idiotic (laughs) it also comes off as very brutish uh and very sensational and you if you're trying to become a trusted source of knowledge and wisdom or perhaps just if you want people to regard you as a knowledgeable, intelligent person, you don't want to come off as any of those things. Yeah. You don't want to come off as sensational. You don't want to come off as brutish. Uh, now, if you're going for being a brute, then mm-hmm. by all means, yeah. be yeah. a brute. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we don't want to go uh, too deep down this line of discourse, but uh, I, I just wanted to bring up the the point that uh, I think someone pointed out correctly that that uh, racism has historically been uh, whites oppressing other minority groups, at least in this country. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that that that's that that it will always follow that that sort of trajectory. That mm-hmm. that's uh, irreversible, and that that's at, at the heart of what the word actually means. Because I think that's uh, an erroneous stance. I think that the dictionary definition is the correct one. It's uh, At least older dictionaries. If you buy some new dictionaries, Ooh. they have the newer definitions. Well, What's yeah. the new definition? What is it? The newer the new. definition has to deal with power structures. Okay. And, so they added uh, institutions, whatever but, that okay. means. I would ask them to define these words. And I, and uh, one, one of the things I really take a lot of um, umbrage with is um, this sort of couching language uh, to sort of fit a narrative, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. To sort of make these reinterpretations to sort yeah. of uh, support a... Uh, particular narrative yeah uh, revisionist history <laughs> yeah that's essentially kind of what you're talking about um, yeah. i would say there's some there's definitely some revisionist history when it comes to native americans um specifically to do with the fact that they were very tribal mm-hmm. <clears throat> they had very distinct tribes they were war- warring far far earlier than we discovered them well no question about that actually i, I think there's good evidence from uh many anthropologists that Indeed, uh, Native Americans were a martial people, very mm-hmm. warlike, and that may uh, sound a bit insensitive, but nevertheless, I think that's mm-hmm. supported by, you know, 
anthropology. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's supported by Indian burial mounds too. I mean, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. that's not that's not to diminish uh, the sort of gen- more genocidal elements of uh, colonialism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. or smallpox uh, blankets. <laughs> Wait, are we getting derailed here? Yeah, 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 we're getting a little derailed here. And anyways, um, so when you when you said earlier, I, I I'm kind of gonna key in on something real quick before we we try to wrap up uh, in a few. Um, when you keyed in on asking those uh, dictionaries that we talked about to define the words they were using, <clears throat> what you what if, if if for the viewers that aren't familiar with uh, Joe Rogan, which of course you're familiar with Joe Rogan. Uh, on his podcast, he had um, he had a New York Times uh, journalist mm. uh, who repeatedly used words that she didn't know the definitions to. Uh, and when pressed on them, and I say pressed as, uh, I mean, that's that's being, uh, uh, that's a vast overestimation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he simply asked her, what does that what mean? What does it mean? Yeah. What's when that she way, would say mean? these words, and she would become completely flustered and... <sighs> When, Jamie, pull that up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's bad. Um, you don't want to be that person. You don't want to be the person that claims expertise mm-hmm. over something. Uh, and and then when you're pressed about the, the gentlest mm-hmm. subject of what you're talking about, uh-huh. um, which is, what do you mean? And you can't explain yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes you look incredibly untrustworthy. Not so good. This is a, this is a journalist for the New York Times. Uh, supposedly... One of the greatest news written news publications of all time mm-hmm. in the West, and so this is someone that we trust to be articulate, to be detailed oriented, and to give us the clearest, concisest picture of what they're claiming expertise and research over. Who cannot even use words that they understand. That's a very sad state of affairs, and. It's a lesson. It's a, it's a very teachable moment. Uh, don't be like her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, if that goes without saying. It's embarrassing, and it's super cringy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those are just like some side effects. But most importantly, uh, it flies in the face of a trusted institution. Yeah. Which I wouldn't say the New York Times is a trusted institution anymore, but they should be. Mm-hmm. They should be, ostensibly. Right, sure. yeah. But I don't trust them for reasons like this. This is just one journalist. Imagine the other ones. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So. Um, well, I think oftentimes there, there's certain buzz, buzzwords that emerge, uh, you know, and they, mm. they sort of have an emotional uh, tag that's associated mm-hmm. with them if you say something like Jangoist mm-hmm. um, or xenophobe. It conjures yeah. up a certain mental... Uh, picture, yeah. uh, an unpleasant one, mm-hmm. and you know they, they, those things can certainly. It's a it's a staining word like traitor, yeah, uh, yeah. or heretic, or heretic. <laughs> uh, these words are designed to sort of elicit a certain strong negative emotional reaction. Yeah, we need to bring that back. By the way, what we need to bring back heretic, heretic <laughs> in a big way, heretic and uh, do it dissenters. Dissenters is such a great word. Well, to dissent and a dissentor. Dissenter. Heretic, dissent, dissentors, and uh, you said despot? Despot. Wait, what was it? 
Yeah, despot. Oh no, I was just trying to guess the term. Yeah. Oh, yeah, despot's yeah. a great, that's a great okay. word. We should bring that back too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I love degenerates. That's one of my favorite words. <laughs> Degen. Degens. Yeah. I like degen. I mean, because it just. I think we're all degenerates we are, in our minds. I'm. You know. Yeah. And I'm I, I, there's been a certain negative connotation to the word. Uh, most people say that alt-right trolls use the word degenerate a lot, too mm-hmm. much. Um, I was so glad when cuck came into <laughs> modern use. That is such a great... Cuckold is such a great word. Mm. And it only took 450 years for it to come back into style. Uh, it's not too long. Yeah. It's not Shake- bad. Well, it's no, worth actually, the wait. no, it's Shakespearean. So what, oh. It's worth the wait. Shakespearean was 1620s. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So only... So 400, yeah, the, uh, less than 400 years. Yeah, you're right. The same age really... as Elizabeth, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it's so, actually yeah. less, way less than 400 years. What am I thinking? <laughs> Man, I need to brush up my history. Ooh. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Ooh, <laughs> really? <good enough. laughs> We're going to have to have a history podcast. Democrat right there. <laughs> Damn. All right, so we'll just go ahead and wrap up here. Uh, yeah. Articulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Try not to say words that you don't mean. That's a that's a mm-hmm. pretty basic word. They have no meaning. Uh, read. Reading reading's important. We're going to emphasize reading all the time. Read critically. That's an important part. If you're reading and it's not a struggle, you need to read harder material. Mm-hmm. You need to read material until it's until you struggle with it. Uh, I mean, that's I. If there's anyone out there that can read Carl Jung and not struggle, uh, come come be yeah. on our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we want to talk yeah. to you. Or you know, you have some recommendations for us. Actually, yeah. Oh so, yeah, their book recommendation. Yeah, yeah, we got to yeah. do a book recommendation. So you what's your one. book recommendation? Uh, well, the initial one I had, uh, I don't know if it'll fit extraordinarily well with with the given topic. So maybe it could, oh, we'll try a different. No, one. no, no, no. It, it, it's behave. Is that the one? Yeah, it's it's yeah. behave. Well, uh, behave by there. Robert Sapolsky. Okay, yeah. Sapolsky. Robert Sapolsky. Behave. Behave. Yeah. I'm behave. Gonna have to, I'm gonna have to uh, that. Oh, behave. The, it's got a. It's got a, one of the secondary mm-hmm. uh, titles that are so in vogue. I think it's the biology of humans at our best and worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it's it's an excellent read. Mm-hmm. I, I think. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Interesting. I, I yeah, I've never, I've never. You were the first person to tell me about Sapolsky. I've, I've never heard of him either. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I've known about him for a long time. Um, I really enjoy sort of neurobiology, mm-hmm. uh, cognitive psychology stuff. So it's it's right in my wheelhouse. And then yeah. um, you mentioned Joe Rogan earlier. He's actually been a guest on uh, Joe Rogan. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 We watched the beginning of that one. A little bit. Yeah. Let's check it out. Yeah, that was. He rarely does off-site podcasting, and that was one of them. That was interesting. Was very strange. I was I was surprised to see him in like a little white shitty chair in like a hotel. It's, it's probably because he has some kind of infirmary. Infirmary. He can't leave. Oh, he can't yeah, fly yeah. or something. I'm or assuming. for just some reason he couldn't now, come right? in. Yeah. I mean, it's probably why he uh, fly there. Uh, I had him I, in a hotel. I don't think. <coughs> Sorry. You're fine. Oh, you're fine. Yeah. It was, I don't know, it's, I'm so used to seeing Rogan, like, on his, like, desk and just the, yeah, the yeah. nice, nice exactly. setup, but, yeah. I don't think he's a geriatric or anything. Um, oh, okay. Maybe, maybe 60s? Maybe he's going fly or something, I'm not sure. Maybe, could that be. Might have been could it. be. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's but. possible he had some other... Or, possibly, Rogan was touring comedy-wise. And he, he was, was in the town. Just there. Yeah, that happens a lot, wow, actually. I gotta talk to this guy. That happens quite a bit for a lot of people yeah. that... 
do tours and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So it looked interesting. I'll watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I gotta check it out. Mm-hmm. So next podcast, we're talking about time management. It's a, it's a, oh. uh, a very, very, very important. Um, yeah. See, I'm very articulate. I just use very a lot. Very, 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 very. <laughs> very, 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 very important subject <laughs> that you literally should always actually do. Literally. Um, do as I say, not as I do. We'll talk about time management, and then after that, we've got a bunch of subjects. Mm-hmm. We're going to be, uh, as we've said before, we're going to be framing these podcasts uh, with broad strokes at first. And then once we've established a, a general guideline from where we're coming from, mm-hmm. fundamentally, then we'll start getting into very specific subjects. And if we have any recommendations that we like, um, we'll take them. And if we have recommendations we don't like, then uh, fuck you. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye. 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 Bye. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. We're awful. We're just terrible. Uh, Yeah.